What do you actually want to believe about you and your sexuality and your relationships on purpose with intention to create better results in your life? Your brain was designed to need fantasy and eroticism, and that is good and normal. It's just, what do you want to do with it? Hello, my gorgeous, confident queens, kings, and monarchs out there. This is your confident mama out here ready for season two of getting to share some incredible interviews to help us all live our best, most confident lives as parents, partners, and business owners. Let's get going. Well, welcome, Amanda. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you here. Do you want to just start out by uh, introducing yourself and a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. So I am Amanda Lauder. I am a certified sex and marriage coach. I coach conservative Christian women on how to embrace their sexuality and love their sex life. Um, In addition to coaching, I am a wife to my husband, Kevin. We've been married almost 10 years. It's a blended family. So we have five kids between the two of us that are ages 13 to 22. We live in Salt Lake city and I like to camp and fish and read and love me some good Netflix. (laughs) Don't we all, especially if you have kids, that's like one little break. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's awesome. So how did you get into sex coaching? That seems like (laughs) such an interesting, like, yeah, I'm going to go into sex coaching when I get older. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was not the plan. Um, so I, when I was in my first marriage, I, um, hated sex and I spent many, many years, you know, just doing it whenever I absolutely had to, to get them off my back. I didn't, see how it could be for me. It was all about him. I mean, not that he was like, he would try. Right. But I didn't have, um, an orgasm for 12 years. Um, didn't understand my body. So, um, our marriage was really, really rocky. And I decided about 10 years in like, well, if you know, the sex got better then maybe the marriage would get better. And so I decided to delve in, which was really scary because I had so much sexual shame and, um, really start to understand my body better and understand how sex could be for me. And, um, that was, you know, quite the journey of a couple of years, like finally got my first vibrator, had an orgasm for the first time and like things definitely got better in the sex department, but our marriage was still terrible. So we ended up getting divorced. Um, but you know, by that time I actually liked sex. And so when I married my second husband, he was like, do you like sex? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. So, and like, because I was willing to overcome a lot of that sexual shame and really develop myself sexually, it, it really boosted my confidence overall. Um, I was, you know, embracing all of me not just repressing one part and thinking, well, the rest is fine, but not that one part of me, that's not very good. And so when I really started to embrace that, you know, all of me, including my sexuality, then my confidence really grew, which actually made it strong. It made me strong enough to actually leave my marriage because it was abusive and not great. So I, after I, um, got divorced and got remarried, people started asking me all sorts of questions about divorce. Like I would get phone calls, emails, texts multiple times a month asking for divorce advice for themselves or a friend, a sister, 
And so, um, I thought about going back to school to become a therapist, but that was going to take like eight years. And with five little kids at home at that point, I was like, "Mm, that's not happening. And then, um, a friend introduced me to coaching and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yes. This is what I want to do because I really didn't want to like delve into like mental illness and like all that stuff that just wasn't of interest to me. Um, but really just helping people make things go from good to great sounded really good. So I started, um, coaching women who were struggling in their marriage and contemplating divorce. That's kind of how I got my start. Um, I ended up going through a certification process, um, and, you know, became a certified life coach and then was still kind of working on this niche of, you know, helping women who are struggling. And I was noticing like a lot of women were struggling with sex. (laughs) That was a big problem in a lot of marriages. And it's something like, because I had done so much work on myself, I felt really confident in coaching them on this. And I ended up going away for, you know, a week with some girlfriends that were all coaches and we rented a house. And, you know, when you're around with your girlfriends, like sex comes up. Right. And by the end of the week, they were like, Amanda, you have got to change your niche to sex because we have learned more from you this week than we have in like 15 to 20 years of marriage. And I was like, Oh, I I don't know if I can do that. (laughs) That sounds a little scary. (laughs) Put myself out there. Like I, we did not talk about sex growing up in my family at all. My parents were like, Nope. And my parents still won't talk to me about my job. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, uh, but I, I just decided, like, I felt really good about it. I talked to my husband about it and he was like, well, I mean, if you feel okay, just like, don't be sharing details of our sex life. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can do that. And, um, so I had started doing it and my business exploded. And, um, so I've been coaching on specifically sex for almost three years now. And I've been coaching overall for a little over four and, um, it's been amazing. (laughs) It sounds like it. That's like quite the story, but I, I will say, honestly, it sounds super similar to kind of my story too. I grew up in a very conservative Christian LDS home. We didn't talk about sex and if so, it was only abstinence talk, you know, until after you're married, but then they don't talk about what happens after you're married (laughs) at all ever. Um, and then I, I got married at 18 and I'm recently divorced too. And going through the well, I never, ever had an orgasm in my last marriage. Wow. Like sex is actually enjoyable. Like this is fun. I'm enjoying learning this new part of myself that I never knew was there. And it, it totally is a huge confidence increase in both your relationships and yourself personally. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about like, how you help other women, especially like, you know, those conservative Christian women move through that shame and stigma that kind of surrounds Mm -hmm. our sexuality and like learn to discover that side of themselves. Yeah. So every single one of us, you know, whether you grew up in a religious home or, you know, or not, we learn about life and sex in our families and then sometimes in our religions, and then in the culture at large. And through this, we develop belief systems. And a lot of times we don't even 
understand the belief systems that we have. They're just kind of ingrained in us. And so we just think it's normal and part of us. And so what is one of the biggest things that I help clients do first is understand the belief systems that they have around sex and also what those belief systems are creating for them. How are they making them feel? Like if they're feeling shame, <laughs> that's probably not a great feeling to have. If they're creating, you know, problems in your marriage and sexual relationships, that's probably not great. And so then we start to poke holes in those belief systems. Like just because you've believed this your entire life doesn't necessarily make it true. What do you actually want to believe about you and your sexuality and your relationships on purpose with intention to create better results in your life. So that's kind of the first piece is I, I kind of feel like we have to like burn the house down and then rebuild it from the beginning. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of this rebuilding process now. I mean, that's kind of the mindset piece, right? Then, especially with sex, and especially if you grew up in, you know, conservative homes where it wasn't really talked about, we also have to have the education piece, understanding what's normal and what's not understanding your body, understanding like your brain was designed to need fantasy and eroticism. And that is good and normal. It's just, what do you want to do with it? Now, if you're, you know, if you're in a marriage, and you, you know, are in a monogamous marriage, like that, all of that can be used. And then the energy directed towards your spouse, which is great. That's what you want. Right. But like, if you're fantasizing about your next door neighbor, that's probably not going to bring a whole lot of goodness to your marriage. So really understanding, like, you know, having these general fantasies or, you know, fantasizing about a character or an actor or something like when they're not like right next door is totally fine. If you're using that energy and directing it towards your spouse. So really starting to understand eroticism and all of that in general, but sex is also in the body. And so then we have to go into the somatic pieces, like what's happening in your body. That's keeping you from experiencing an orgasm. What's in your body. That's experience, you know, where you're having all of these negative emotions, where you're not able to stay focused during sex, where you're, you know, so worried about how your body looks that you're kind of watching yourself having sex rather than actually engaging in the process. So we incorporate things like breathing and sounding and movement and mindfulness to create more sexual energy. So it's all, it's kind of look at, you know, the mental piece, the physical piece, the education piece, and then also the religious piece, just because, I mean, so many of my clients, that's what it is, is there's, you know, I had a client just this morning that was like, I, like, I like these things, but I'm so worried that I'm, you know, bad or wrong or unworthy for doing them. And so that's again, more where the shame comes in that we have to deconstruct the house and rebuild it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think those three pieces are so key to being able to understand. And like you said, I think for most of us burning that house down and just like <laughs> rebuilding is like huge because we have to deconstruct everything that we've learned and like really figure it out for ourselves from the very beginning all over again. Absolutely. Well, so I have a question for you and I, I kind of know, cause I've like looked through your Instagram <laughs> and stuff, but how do you feel about, um, 
toys being used in the bedroom because I know that's always like a big thing is you know men don't want the toys in the bedroom because they hurt their ego or whatever Um, and how do you feel about like kinks discovering your own kinks and having those conversations with your partner to maybe you know introduce some of those into the bedroom yeah I'm a big fan of toys um I think you know it's all about aiding the process to have fun and pleasure and connection. And so, you know, sometimes husbands do have those, you know, reservations, like she's replacing me with the vibrator. I'm sorry, but a vibrator, you can't emotionally connect with. So like, it might help with the pleasure piece, like creating, you know, more stimulation than, than humanly possible but it is not a replacement for an actual person. And like, I mean, it's just a tool in your tool chest to help make it a great experience. I always tell like men that are, you know, like freaking out about toys. I'm like, would you like to mow the lawn with scissors or a lawnmower? Like that's kind of like, (laughs) it's just a tool that makes things easier, right? It's not a replacement. Like we're still getting the job done. So I'm a huge fan of toys. And I was going to say, uh, I read like this crazy statistic the other day that like most women do not, uh, are not able to orgasm just from like, you know, penetration, penetration. Yep. there's gotta be something additional there. So you're, yep. you're helping your partner. So yes, only about 25% of women can orgasm through penetration. And that is because of biology. So it's the distance between your vaginal opening and your clitoris. Like we can't change that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now some women can learn how to orgasm with penetration using, you know, tools or different kinds of stimulation or even different positions that can stimulate the clitoris. But like only, well, 96% of women need some sort of clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm, whether that's through penetration or something else, but like, we all need it. That is what creates pleasure for us. So if you're not orgasming through penetration, there's a very good reason for that. You are not broken. Like we get the model from media and porn that that's how women orgasm. And that's just not true. So really that's, that's part of those education pieces that I think are so important. Like we actually have to understand how our body works and that's a big piece. (laughs) And then as far as like kinks and all that kind of stuff, I'm all for it. If that's who you are, then that's what you do. As long as it's happening between two consensual adults keep on, keep on. Like it's good, all good. So like we all have natural proclivities to different things and none of it should be shamed or anything. It's just really like, this is what you were given with your sexuality. How do you want to use it? I'm a big fan of like sex isn't good or bad. It is how it is used that creates goodness or not. And so, you know, we can all, there are plenty of ways that sex can be used for evil, right? But sex can also be used for good. So it's just, how do you want to use it? I, yeah, I agree. That's awesome. I love the, that like way of thinking. Cause yeah, I feel like for too long, you're told that being a sexual being is bad in so yeah. many different ways. Until you're married and then it's good. Exactly. And that, (laughs) and that, that's always what made me crazy is like your, 
you're told it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, right? And then you get married and it's like, oh, it's good. You have to do this now. Like you need yeah. to be doing this. Yeah. And mentally you can't shift you, that quickly between, no. oh, this is totally bad to, oh, this is totally good and be okay with it. And like, yeah. so it's like a work in progress of like- going. Yeah, so I always tell like, um, cause parents ask me all the time, like, how do I teach my kids different than what we learned, right? So they're not gonna go through yeah. the same things. I'm like, I would love to educate all the adults out there so that I am put out of a job for the next generation. Like that would be amazing. But, um, I just like sex is good. It is really good. And it is a great way to connect with yourself and your spouse and everything else. But, and like all the feelings and the thoughts that come with it, even in those teenagers are good. How do you want to use it? That is within your value system. That's the, that's the key. Like there's no like bad, 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 bad. And then good. It's no, it's always good but are you using it within your value system? Whatever that looks like for you. And that can be different. So that's the way that I approach it. I also really like this analogy that I came up with. Like a lot of times we, you know, let's pretend like sex was like an orange. Like you're like, okay, you're, when you get married, you're going to get an orange and it is so yummy and it is so good and sweet. You're going to love it so much, but you can't look at it now. You can't taste it now. You have no idea what an orange is now. And then okay, like, okay, you're married. Here's an orange. And you go in and you take a big bite. You're like, ew, no. Like you might get like a little taste of the sweet and juicy, but mostly you get the bitter rind, right? That is not what we want to do with sex. <laughs> we don't want to give our, like tell our kids, oh yeah, it's so great. When you get married, you're going to love it. And then let them bite into the bitter rind. We need to actually educate them. And so many parents are scared of educating their kids about sex because they think that they're, it's going to make them want to do it more, but then we bring in those values pieces. And that, so I think that makes a big difference, but like ed, studies show that the more educated someone is, the better the choices they're going to make within their value system. So, you know, more education, a more comprehensive education actually shows that it will, um, lower sexual violence and abuse that it will, um, that the age is actually increased from their sexual debut. So like, no, if we educate our kids about sex, that's not going to make them want to run out and have sex. Well, cause they're so curious about it because it's this, this huge yes. taboo thing. Yes, but if it's so, not taboo, then they don't need to like go seek it out. Yes, exactly. Which is why like you can start even at such like a young age, like I have a four-year-old son and like we use all the anatomically correct terms in our households. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's something that's super simple, but most people aren't doing that with their kids. And it's just like such a simple introduction into that and like having that open dialogue between your you and your kids. And like me and my brothers are all adults and my parents talk very openly about their sexual <laughs> relationship that, that they did have that good healthy sexual relationship which led to them having a great relationship in general yes and I think it's really important that we model that good sexual relationship to our kids and not we don't need to hide that we're having sex from our kids like it's actually I mean not that we want to like you know be doing it out in front of them but <laughs> but like I mean our kids know we have sex. I mean, we are, I'm not quiet <laughs> and our house is very small. 
<laughs> and you know, like, I mean, we're like, Hey, we're locking the door. Don't bug us. Like our kids know I, there, I tell a story. It's so funny. Um, so my daughter who's 20 now, she was probably 15 or 16 came home late one weekend night and knocked on my door and she's like, I'm home. I'm like, okay, great. Bye. You know, we'll see you in the morning. And she's like, wait, I need to talk to you. I'm like, um, it's going to be a minute. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, she literally stood outside my door, but that didn't stop us. We just kept going on. And then when we were done, I, you know, got up, put my robe on, I come outside and she looked at me. She's like, mom, did you have fun? I'm like, yes, yes, I did. You're like, yep, we had a great time. Thank you. <laughs> yes, because I want to model that this is like fun and good and pleasurable and something that I like and want to do. I think that's really, really good for our kids. Like they don't need to know the nitty gritty details, but it actually gives kids a lot of security to know that their parents are, have a good sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I think like you said, a good sexual relationship may not save a bad relationship, but it definitely helps improve a good relationship. Yeah. I always say like good sex is a byproduct of a healthy sense of self and a healthy relationship. Now, I mean, we still had good sex, even though the relationship wasn't healthy, but I could also identify that that was not happening. So, but I was healthy, right? Mm -hmm. So we can start to see the pieces fit together or not. Yeah. So, um, I know we talked a little bit about like exploring your kinks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, if you do have something that you want to possibly start exploring with a partner, you're curious about it, whatever, how do you go about like initiating that conversation? Well, I have, um, some different, you know, tools that I use with my clients. I have a yes, no, maybe list that I say, okay, you know, both have you, both you and your partner fill it out and see where you match up and where you don't. And then on the parts that are maybe like no's or even maybes like have some conversations about like, Oh, I noticed that you said that, that was a no, but for me, it's a yes. Can you tell me more about why it's a no for you? Or can you tell me why it's a yes for you? Right. And just be really open and curious with no judgment. Like everybody has their own, you know, sexual proclivities and none of it's bad or good. It's just how we want to use it. And, you know, there are things that like on that, yes, no, maybe list a few years ago, I've been like hard, no, not going to do it. And now I'm like, yes, please. And so as like, just when you can be open and accepting of yourself and your own sexuality and your partner, then you can start to open things up. And I always say people to say, I mean, there's some things where like, nope, not never happening, not going to, not going to happen. But then there's other things like, you know what, maybe I could try. And I would say, try it at least a few times. Like don't just do it once and say, nope, never happening again. Like try it a few times. Sometimes you need a little bit. Now it's different. Like if there's been abuse or sexual trauma, like we definitely don't want to push someone into a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you're trying something and you notice either a trauma response in yourself or in your partner, yes, please stop. But for most, for most of us that don't have that, like, it's okay to try new things to see if you like them. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's definitely something like I've been through. Um, and so that's one of the things like always have those discussions with your partners beforehand, let them know what may trigger you. You don't always know like those triggers are going to be, and then have like some safe words or 
or something in place where you can say, no, I'm done and both be done and then have like a recovery period. Absolutely. You guys after everything happens too. Absolutely. I like the stoplight system. So green go, keep on going, keep revving it up yellow. Okay. Maybe we need to slow down back off a little bit. And red is just a hard stop. And so it's, you know, this is, it's actually something that like the kink and BDSM community does really, really well is consent at every point. And, you know, just because you're married doesn't give you like free will to do whatever you want with your partner. And so having this, like the stoplight system where you're constantly checking in with each other, like you green, you good. Like where you at? I'm yellow. Okay. We're going to slow down. Like, you know, like, and just know, and like, if it's ever red, we don't take that personally. This is not, this is not something that's to be used against our partner. It's just like, this is a hard stop and it's okay. And we walk away. Yes, I honestly love that about the kink and the BDSM community. Mm-hmm. They are so on top of like consent, like yes. it's crazy. And they're always talking about ways to be safe and, mm-hmm. um, you know, good with your partner so that you're developing that, but in a safe way. Yes. I mean, in, the, in that community, like everything is laid out and consented to beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then like, then there's that constant check-in throughout. And so I think, you know, even as married couples, we need to do that better. Yes, I agree. Um, so one of the posts that I noticed on your Instagram the other day, you were talking about like how to have a conversation with a partner. Like if you as a woman are struggling with having an orgasm, like, and having that conversation with your partner. Cause sometimes that can be weird for both sides. You're like, man, I'm struggling with this. And like, I know you're trying, but I'm not getting there. And I really want this to be good on both sides. We're both getting this equally. How do you have that conversation? Well, you just have to be willing to do the uncomfortable and also be willing to let your partner have whatever response they're going to have without taking it personally. So we don't need to take responsibility for someone else's emotions. And so we just get to let them have their experience and like self-soothe ourselves. So, and I, I mean, I am of the opinion that your orgasm is your own responsibility. Now your partner can definitely help you with that and stimulate and, you know, be there and stuff, but like, it is your responsibility because our orgasms primarily happen in our head. And like, no matter how much stimulation you're getting, if the head isn't in the right place, like it's not going to happen, you know, which is why it works so much with women on this. And, um, so you have to be willing to own it, whether it's happening or not. And, you know, partners have to be willing to like, okay, I can be doing all the right things and it can still not be happening. And that's not my fault. And also not like, and you're not doing the right things like that doesn't work either. (laughs) Right. Like so many people use orgasm as a measure of success. And I don't think that's the measure of success. I think sex is about pleasure and connection, and you can have that without having an orgasm. And it really just needs to be your decision. Like, do I want to have an orgasm? Do I want to put in the work to have an orgasm today or not, you know, in this scenario and either way is fine. You also have to be willing to say what you want and need. If you're, I mean, 
some partners are just like, okay, I'm going to be here and I'm going to let you do your thing. Or, you know, I'm going to like stay up in the head and the chest area while you do your thing, but down below or like whatever it is, like you get to decide what you need and what that looks like. And again, it's two consenting adults, right? But you have to be willing to voice that even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and going back to like your original kind of three things, you have to know like how to get out of your own head and in Mm -hmm. that space. Mm -hmm. And you have to know your own body so that you can own your own like pleasure. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I love that. I think that's super important. Well, do you have any other final tips, tricks, tools, anything like that to give us so that we can all have more, better, more fulfilling sex lives? Well, it really comes down to you and your relationship with yourself. So being willing to love yourself and take, get your own back and take care of you no matter what happens, because uncomfortable things are going to happen. Negative emotions are going to happen, but are you like turning it inward and beating the crap out of yourself because of that? Or are you loving yourself through that process? So, you know, part of what I do stems from the tantric traditions I have a really tantric approach to what the somatic work that I do with clients and Tantra is all about embracing the light and the dark. And when you can embrace the dark, more light shines through. So when you can say, you know what, this is part of me that I don't really like, I don't really love, but I'm going to be okay with it and love myself through it then you're able to have a much better relationship with yourself and really a good sexual relationship for that to happen. You have to be good with you. So that is the key relationship to work on is the relationship with yourself. I love that. It's all, all of it leads back to us and knowing ourselves and being comfortable in who we are and finding that confidence within ourselves, which is what we're all about here. So we love it. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. You want to tell us where we can find you and all of your goodies? Yeah. So, um, my website is amandalouder.com L O U D E R. I'm loud. (laughs) Just like my name. Um, I run a membership program where um, women can come in and um, go through, you know, some different modules and classes that I have and weekly coaching calls and tons of work to help you get to a better place in yourself and in your relationship and in your sexuality. So, and it's really affordable because it's a membership. So pretty much everybody can afford it and it's, but it's really, really awesome. I actually haven't had a single person quit my membership. (laughs) So they love it and they stay in it for a very long time. So that's really fun. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Amanda ladder coaching. And then I do have my own podcast, which is called sex for saints. We love it. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.